center and coming in is Loom. Newendike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are underway this hour on Flames Talk from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to leg system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Yeah, it's Pat and Wes Gilbertson from Post Media along with you. Uh, We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the Flames looking for a new head coach and a new general manager. Daryl Sutter out as head coach of the Flames on this Monday, May 1st. And it really is a clean slate now. Like it, having these vacancies usually means things didn't go very well and they did not go very well this season. So that is the main reason why these vacancies exist with the Flames. But now the team can start with the whole idea of a, of a soft reset. And, and, and I don't think we're going to be talking about a uh, blowing things up or anything like that. But some different voices and and some different approaches, it does feel like there's a real opportunity for a clean slate. And it feels, the more I think about it, it kind of feels like this is now three years of being connected. You go from Mark Giordano leaving the organization and then a summer later, Monaghan, Gaudreau, and Kachuk all gone from the organization. A summer later, Treliving and Daryl now all gone from the organization. It's kind of been like a a stepped process to a clean slate and a, I don't know, a retooling of the entire organization. And I don't think it was ever 100% intentional, but that's kind of where we are. And the last step feels like it was made on this Monday when we got the news about Daryl Sutter being let go. You know, as I walked after, you know, spending the day at the Saddle Dome today, just before we started, as I walked at your suggestion to get my Slurpee, I was... With ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> naturally. Look good. Sort of reflecting on how much has changed here just in the last year. And you mentioned Mark Giordano. Obviously, that goes back a little further. But just think that when the Flames were eliminated less than a year ago, they had Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau, Daryl Sutter, and Brad Treliving, among others. Yep. Like, that is a whole lot of upheaval for an organization. And yet... What we heard from Don Maloney today was really some positivity to embrace a new vision, as he put it, a, a, a sort of fresh slate, as you put it. And and I think that people should look at this as a positive. This is a, a team that has not had the results for a long time that people have been after. There's been a lot of good mixed in there, but there's going to be some fresh faces at the Saddle Dome or some maybe familiar faces with fresh ideas. This this is a chance for the organization to kind of put a new stamp on things. And, and that started certainly with all the change last summer, but I'm anxious now to see what a uh, new general manager 
has in mind for roster tinkering. I, I'm really anxious, especially with some of the comments that we're seeing now on social media, to see how Jonathan Huberto performs under a new coach. I've mentioned Nazem Kadri. I don't think it's a coincidence that he has a really strong relationship with a guy who has now suddenly had his name popped up in the general manager discussion in Mark Hunter. Like these, these are significant pieces that are committed to the Flames franchise for a long time. Yep. And I think while we've seen a lot of faces of the franchise leave over the past year, I think there is a, a chance for a sort of turning of the page for the organization. And I appreciated the way Don Maloney sort of leaned into that today. I, I think that's a good way of putting it. And, you know, so now the, que- the, 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 the most important part that came when we talk about a fresh slate, the most important part that came from the chat we had with Don Maloney here on Flames Talk, and it's up for you uh, as, as part of a, uh, an exclusive portion and also part of a, an hour portion on our Flames Talk podcast. But this was president of Hockey Operations Don Maloney with us was very adamant because he, he was asked if the GM will make the head coaching hire in the news conference. And, and so I followed up on that with him, and Maloney was adamant that the answer to that question is yes. That, to me, is, a, is an absolute must. I mean, to, to go out and hire a coach and then turn around and hire a manager, just, it's, it's just incongruent. It doesn't make sense. I mean, the coach... And the manager, that role and so, is so important. And I think the manager has to be involved, engaged, in, in endorsing the person he's come in just to have a relationship. Uh, we hire a coach two weeks from now and then hire a manager four weeks from now. And uh, what happens all of a sudden the personalities don't mesh or they don't, you know, it, it's, uh, I think that's just a rep- recipe for disaster. I don't think it ever works. Yep. And uh, that's not going to happen here. That, to me, is really important. Incongruence is a good word, by the way. Or recipe for disaster. I like that as well. Let the new GM come in and make this hire himself. And obviously, it'll be in conjunction with everybody, but let the GM make this decision. And and that was one thing that I was worried about if they kept Daryl Sutter was, so are we talking about a bulletproof head coach then? Are we talking about the GM not being able to make his own hire? And I kept saying, what are you doing? Like, what What are you doing as an organization if you don't let your general manager make the hire? And so to hear that from Don Maloney after we found out that Daryl Sutter won't be coming back, that was really important to me. And it's not like we're talking rocket science here, but it's not that long ago the Vancouver Canucks kicked that thing around and it put them in a really bad situation this year with Bruce Boudreau. They hired, ownership hired Bruce Boudreau, and then hired Jim Rutherford, and then hired about the Patrick Alvine, and look how it turned out. Don't do that. Very incongruent. It, uh, it just became the most important or one of the most important questions, I would say, in the general manager interview process. Who would you want to bring in as your head coach? Mm-hmm. Or who might we have in-house that you see as the future head coach of the Calgary Flames? I, I absolutely think that had to be the answer. And and we'd be having a much different conversation right now if Don Maloney had shown a, a willingness or a, 
anxiousness to go out and hire a head coach before he had a general manager in place. I know everyone wants to talk about Ryan Huska, a guy who did a great job in the minors and has paid his dues. I know people are going to talk about Kirk Muller's past head coaching experience. I know that there is a lot of curiosity uh, about Mitch Love, who we're going to have on later in the hour, the two-time coach of the year in the American Hockey League. And you can look around at guys who aren't working right now or guys who are working at assistance and pick as assistants, I'm sorry, and pick your favorite coach. But for that decision to be made by anyone other than the new general manager just doesn't make any sense to me. And if you come into the general manager interviews and and they maybe don't like your answer about who your coach could be, it could cost you the general manager job. But I think it's really, really, really crucial that the GM handpicks his coach. And that's exactly what the Calgary Flames have paved the way for. Yep. I think it's uh I think it's important. I think it is exactly the way that you need to go about it. It's just again, it's not rocket science. It's not like I'm sitting here you know what? That's a really good point by Steinberg. The GM should hire the head coach. You know what? That they every team should do that. Steinberg's got this cutting edge new idea. No, it's not that at all. It's more that it doesn't always happen that way. And there was fear that it wouldn't happen that way this time around with the Flames, and now it's very clear that they are going to go about that. So, you know, sometimes applauding the right thing, you've got to applaud the right thing, and, and that's the exact way that you should go about doing it. It would be not a lot different than Don Maloney coming in as the interim general manager and making five or six trades before hiring a new general manager. Yep. You know, if you're committed to a new vision, if you're committed to going out and finding the person that you think can can put the Calgary Flames on the right track, you got to let them do their job when they get here. Yep. And this is such a huge part of it. And two weeks ago, we were saying that the new GM had to be able to come in and make the decision about Daryl, that you had to give that person the power to say, you know what, we need a coaching change. But... What we've learned since then is that it was so obvious in those exit meetings. And I thought it was fascinating, as I mentioned to you, that Don Maloney, in your exclusive chat with him, talked about even consulting the Flames mental strength coach to get some feedback on on what general things he was hearing about the head coach. Like, they came to a decision that, okay, it's time. We got to move on from the coach. That clears the runway for the new GM to bring in his preferred candidate and now it's got to stay that way until that person's in place. Uh, and and it's funny because, you know, Maloney did go out of his way to mention that it was not just players. Yes, it was players, but it was assistant coaches. It was support staff. It was the mental skills coach. It was This was something that they, you know, we've talked a lot about them doing due diligence on the GM search. I think you can be pretty confident that they did their due diligence, even for, for those who are on board with and agree with the decision to not bring Daryl back. I think you can be confident they did their due diligence. And even when talking, even if you're on the other side, and there's been, I would say the text line's been pretty split of, of people who are happy this happened, not happy, but but who believe this is the right move and people who believe this is the wrong move. But even if you're on the wrong side of things or or – the wrong opinion, try that again, 
your opinion's not wrong. What I'm trying to say is <laughs> if your opinion is that this decision is wrong, there we go. Um, Take that, are, everybody. There are no wrong opinions unless it's about ranch dressing. And then there's only uh, there's only the opinion that matters, and that is that it's disgusting. Um, <laughs> Wes is out. You know what? I'm fine with that. I will end the friendship over that. It doesn't even matter. Um, but no, if, if you're of the belief that this That's was the wrong take, call. by the way. I'm I back. Just, I can't do it. I think you can be confident the Flames didn't just do this as a knee-jerk reaction to one season. They didn't do this just because Jonathan Huberdeau, and we'll get to him in a second, um, because Jonathan Huberdeau did not see eye-to-eye with the coach or that Nazem Kadri didn't see eye-to-eye with the, co- with the coach or that Elias Lindholm might not re-sign if Daryl's back. All the, it wasn't just because of that. Didn't you hear Nazem Kadri say that his relationship with the coach was fine? I did hear that, yes, I, on, on locker clean-out day. I mean, if fine is as yeah, no, it, was, it, it was fine. It's fine. It's fine. If that, if that's the nicest thing, he did you go out say. of his way to say that I've played for lots of guys like him before. Is basically what he said. He's yeah, like, I've, played, I've played for guys like that before. So and and I think that's important. You know, the the Calgary Flames might choose to bring in a coach who is still on the demanding end of the spectrum, on the. You know, I, I'm I'm not sure that they're going to go with the most player-friendly option. And, and maybe they are. It, you know, that's a decision, as we've been talking about, that the new general manager is going to have to make. But I don't think this should be twisted into a, these guys aren't willing to be held accountable. These guys aren't willing to work hard. I don't think that's what it is. No, I think that, that, that I, I honestly don't believe that's what we're talking about either. I think we're talking about a scenario where it became untenable and it wasn't fixable in-house and a change had to be made. And in this case, the change is almost always going to be the the one person as opposed to the 15 or 20 or however many we're talking about in this regard. So, yeah, I, I so I guess my point is, I really do believe they did their due diligence because everything I heard in the last two weeks is they're drilling down hard on this. And every time I checked in with people I trust, it was, yeah, it is like they're they're conducting interviews. They are asking questions. They're working hard on making this decision as to whether or not they're going to bring back Daryl Sutter, talking to ownership, engaging Murray Edwards, engaging John Bean, so on and so forth. So I don't, this was definitely not made just because, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau, said something in in exit interviews or player Y said something in exit interviews. That's not the only reason that this decision was announced on Monday. No, it was the totality of it. Yeah. It it was that it wasn't just player Y. It was player A and player B and player D and staff member H. Like there was there seems to have been overwhelmingly negative feedback about the way that Daryl Sutter was running this ship. Yep. Uh, let me read you. Let me let me read you a um, a couple of things that Jonathan Huberdo had to say on this Monday. He was on a uh, BPM Sports Radio podcast uh, in Quebec, and he was talking with uh, former Flames head coach Bob Hartley. Uh, he was speaking with uh, Martin Lemay and. A couple of interesting things here. Now, I did my best with um, my fledgling skills en français, and I was able to pick up. It's way harder in on the phone. Like, I was able to pick up 
all of Bob Hartley's question, for instance, on Jacob Pelche. Uh, but to hear Jonathan on the phone, you're like, I could pick up like 40% of it. It's way harder on the phone when you're still learning. Uh, so credit to A, our uh, producer Taylor, um, my uh, bilingual friend back in the studio, uh, and also Julian McKenzie, another one of my bilingual friends uh, over at The Athletic. So this is what basically was said when Bob Hartley asked about the what number is he post-game comment from Daryl Sutter after Jacob Pelche's January debut. Um, said, no, it wasn't the, the way we want our young guys to be traded. They don't need that. They need a you played well for yourself and the team. So saying that in the media was a surprise, but that's Daryl. That's what he wants. Why are you saying that to the media? And after you tell him he played good, uh, that you're happy with this game, it wasn't right or needed. Um, that's kind of the, the rough translation uh, on that. And then this also from Julian uh, on the decision today, the Sutter firing, it really didn't click between me and Daryl last year. There were a lot of factors. There was a big difference in points between my first and my last two years, and the style of play he wanted to play it didn't fit my style of game. Having a new coach is going to help my game and my confidence too. Uh, so Huberdeau did not hold back when it comes to this decision. So um, again, I know there are many who believe that players should not have the power to get a coach fired, but for Jonathan Huberdeau, who is this team's at least salary, if the salary cap is your barometer, he is this team's franchise player going forward, and the franchise player believes that this this coaching decision will help his game going forward. It's on him to prove it, but if that ends up being the case, this move might very well be, uh, and that, that, that in and itself may prove this move to be the right move for the Flames. Yeah, and I think you just hit the nail on the head in the sense of it is on Jonathan to prove it. And and Jonathan's a a very smart guy. He understands the that if he's going to say what he said today, to say having a new coach is going to help my game, it's going to help my confidence, that he is taking more pressure on himself to prove that a 55-point season was the anomaly and not a sign of things to come. And so... We could be sitting here in January if we're seeing a whole lot of what we've seen through 22-23 saying, well, geez, maybe it wasn't Daryl. Maybe that hasn't changed anything. But now it's up to the players. After what they said and after the decision that was made and the input that they had on it, now it's up to the players to prove why this had to happen. And they're not going to get an opportunity to do that till October, no matter what they say on whatever podcast or in whatever interview they do. But but the pressure is on them now 100% to back it up. Let's read a few texts as uh, we wrap up this portion of the hour, and then we will bring in potential coaching candidate Mitch Love. I see what you did there. I'll ask him the question, but I very much – expect yeah pat uh we got to get ready for game three against abbotsford um but i'll ask him the question i promise i'll ask because i know there's been a lot of talk about mitch love as a potential coaching candidate you know what before i read text here's a here's elliot friedman from uh, earlier on flames talk he threw out a few names that he's heard in the very early stages that could be considered as head coach of the flames like i know the organization thinks highly of mitch love i know they think highly of huska 
Um, uh, I would I would expect that they'll reach out to Andrew Burnett. Look, if you want someone to uh, coach Huberto up, can't go wrong with a guy who helped coach him to 110 points last year. Yeah. So I'm sure he'll be a call too. But those are some of the initial names. How dare you shortchange him five points, Friedman? Friedman, come on! You're back on waivers. Oh no, that's the, another Friedman. Um, so yeah, Love Huska, two internal candidates, Andrew Burnett. From a Jonathan Huberdo only standpoint, you can understand why that might be the case. Look, Daryl or no Daryl, I still think figuring out how to get more of and the most out of Jonathan Huberdo this coming season is one of the top offseason priorities for the team. Are you surprised that we didn't hear Kirk Muller's name in there? Um, and and a, I, real, a little, a little. I realize, Elliot's just you know reporting a few names he's heard. I, that certainly wasn't a comprehensive list, but as you talk internal candidates, I think his name has to be on the list. Been a head coach in the NHL before, yeah. I uh, I guess when you when you put it like that way, that like that, yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt he has the respect of the players here, but this is going to be an antsy staff around the Saddle Dome for the next however long. You've got, as we've talked about, you've got two very strong internal candidates for your GM position in Brad Pascal and Craig Conroy, and now you have probably, the way I see it anyways, three strong internal candidates to potentially be your head coach, starting with Kirk Muller and including Ryan Huska and Mitch Love, who we'll chat with in a few minutes. And so there's a lot of people around here who have been wondering probably where they fit in the, the sort of pecking order of who might be next yeah. and now are still sort of waiting to find out where they sit there. Uh, this says on the text line, 960-960, I hope Huberdeau is right for his sake. I think that sounds more ominous than it actually is. It's not like, yeah, for his sake. I think it's more like just for the sake of hopefully he has a much better year too as a member of the Calgary Flames. Uh, this says... Um, I hate the move. Score one for spoiled millionaires. I will really have a big problem getting behind this team next year, uh, and I hope Huberto fails. Backstabber. All right. Um, this says, so now we wonder, would Kachuk have signed long-term now that Sutter is gone? Uh, that's one I might not want to ever know the answer to, especially if this Florida run goes deep. Yeah, Kachuk's been pretty good. For the first time ever, Matthew Kachuk has showed up and showed up in a big way in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's been outstanding. How and much fun was that game last night? Whew. That was a lot of fun. Oh, and you're right. Matthew Kachuk is Matthew Kachuk is breaking hearts in Calgary right now. Uh, this is from E. Pat. I uh, hope you're doing well. Do you think Sutter lost his players before or after he gave that post-game interview answer when he said that Huberto had to uh, six months or so ago? Um, I think that that was a step on the ladder to the message being completely tuned out by a good chunk of players. or And I don't even say the message. I think it's the messaging that was tuned completely out. Because I still think the message and how he wants them to play is very much in tune with how the game is played today. It's more the messaging and the approach of delivering that message that I think was tuned out as the year went along. I, I think... And, and not having chatted with Jonathan about this, I don't know what the rest of the locker room thought, but but I would say that that was a very early strike in the relationship between 
Jonathan Huberdeau and, and Daryl Sutter. Jonathan, at that point, was playing through two injuries. And for the coach to refuse to acknowledge that and and then to put it the way he did, I think that was a real shot at Jonathan Huberdeau's pride. And I'm not sure that their relationship ever got much better after that. Agreed. Uh, this from Brady and Airdrie. I 100% agree. The Flames and Daryl needed to part ways after this debacle of a season. But it irks me the wrong way seeing people clowning up on him after all he's done for this franchise. He makes the Flames relevant again in 04 with a cup run. Uh, then comes out of retirement to coach this team to one of the best franchise records and wins the Jack Adams. Put some respect on his name. Put some respect on his name. Uh, that's from Brady and Airdrie. Uh, and I, 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 I agree. I mean, this this guy did a lot of very good things for the organization. And he was the deserving Jack Adams winner. And he'll be in the Hall of Fame. And he has two Stanley Cup rings that he very much earned as a head coach. And it was also time for the Flames and him to move on. All of those things are true at the same time. I couldn't say it any better. I, I absolutely think that a time will come when when Daryl Sutter's impact in, for this franchise can truly be celebrated. But this move today was necessary. It's Pat and Wes. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Pat and Wes along with you as we continue on this Monday, and it's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Callan Gary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. It's a Monday, which means we say hello to the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, Mitch Love joins us now. His team up 2-0 in their second round best of five series with the Abbotsford Canucks after a 3-2 overtime win Wednesday here at the Scotiabank Saddledom. Jacob Pelche scores the overtime winner and then 4-3 in overtime on Friday. Good crowd at the Dome here. That was a lot of fun and Matthew Phillips wins the game in OT on Friday. Game three with a chance to wrap the series Wednesday in the Lower Mainland. We say a little Mitch now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Mitch, appreciate the time as always. How are we doing today? Good, Pat. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So, always good to catch up with you, man. Always good to have you, and a good start to your best of five with a 2-0 series lead. I, I'm just curious, and 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 I have heard your post game after both games. Now uh, that you've had a little bit of time to reflect on them, go through video, all that type of stuff, how are you feeling about game one and game two of this series with the Canucks? Well, it was interesting. I, I you know I thought game one uh, both teams. Um, lacked a little bit of emotion, a little bit of life. It, it didn't really resemble much of a playoff game. Just that's my my personal opinion. Um, you know, I think both teams kind of looked like they were afraid to make mistakes out there, and and 
you know, I thought, you know, the, we looked really rusty. I thought that, you know, the 11-day layoff for us, yep. uh, you know, in terms of execution and me trying to rev up that engine a little bit to get going in a, in a playoff series um, wasn't quite there. Uh, we were fortunate to come out of that with a victory. And and then I, you know, the the day between games, we, you know, we addressed some things. We talked about some things, We you know, through video and practice and, and uh you know, I, I liked our game on, on Friday night. I thought we were much more engaged. Uh, I thought Abbotsford was a better hockey team uh, in the game. And, you know, we're very opportunistic with some of their opportunities they got. And, and you know, again, could have went either way, but we found a way to, you know, get a big power play goal there in overtime uh, from, from Matthew Phillips. And, and here we are, you know, now going into their building and, and having to try to win at least one game up there uh, you know, over the next three. So um, not going to be easy. Uh, we're going to expect their best on, on Wednesday night uh, in front of, a you know, I'm sure a large crowd in a, in a hostile environment, um, which we're used to, and we're, we're excited for that opportunity. Mitch, one of the themes during the regular season that, that you and I talked about was, you know, your team's ability to stick with it and how well they stuck with it in games throughout the year and the consistency that the group played with. And I know that the first two games haven't been perfect, but that ability to stick with it and make sure it gets beyond 60 at the very least and give yourself that opportunity. How have you, how have you liked the way they've done that? Well, we felt, uh, we felt the other night, even though we were down three, one, the hockey game, we were, you know, we were doing a lot of good things. Um, you know, we, we had opportunities, uh, you know, by our count, we had, you know, more five on five chances than them and, and quite a few on our power play. Just, you know, they weren't going in. And, and then obviously they had two short end goals in one sequence, which is pretty rare. You probably don't want to have, have that happen every day uh, against yeah. you. But, um, you know, again, there's a lot of character in our room. And, and, and you know, you really lead on your leaders in, in those situations of intermissions and, and, you know, I, I really was, was happy with our guys' response, uh, you know, going into the third period. We got that early goal. It gave us a little juice, gave the building some juice. And and then we kind of just kept going. And, um, you know, I think you need that this time of year. You, you, again, we, we talk about being even-keeled as a group. Um, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. And and because you never – in playoffs, you're never really out of it, you know, unless you're going to fold your tent and go home. So – um, our, our guys have, have found ways all year to, to win hockey games. Maybe we didn't deserve to win. That might have been an example of it. I, I don't know. I, I, I Again, I thought, you know, from game one to game two, our game built. Um, but we're going to need to build even more on, on Wednesday in their building to try to put this team away. And, you know, I, I know we talked to you going into this series last week about how tough Abbotsford was going to be, and they got their uh, their their cavalry back from the Canucks, and they've got some guys with some significant NHL experience, whether it's Hoaglander or you know both their goalies have seen NHL action, all that type of stuff. Y- you were you were ready for a fight in this series. I, I I would imagine of anybody who would be not surprised by the fight the Canucks have put up so far, you would be at the last of the line. Like yeah, I I can't imagine you're surprised as to what you've uh, seen from the opponent so far. Yeah, they're um, they're a good team. Like they, they they have a lot of different weapons. Um, you know, if you just started with their goaltending, I mean, they 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 split both guys in games one and game two, and and so now you know you're as 
on our side of things, you're kind of wondering who they're going to go with in game three. Um, we'll, we'll find out here shortly, but yeah. Um, and then you, you look at their back end and, you know, there's a lot of depth there too, with some veteran guys and some good young prospects. And, and then you move up front and they've got a little bit of everything. They've got some, some high level skill uh, along with some heaviness, uh, some competitiveness They're, they They skate the game very well. Um, you know, and again, I, I, I'm not going to speak for their coaching staff, but I'm, I'm sure we haven't really quite seen their best. Uh, that's just my personal opinion of their game. Um, but I definitely expect that Wednesday when their season's on the line and, and we got to try to put them away. And so we're going to have to be dialed in our game and, you know, whatever, whatever adjustments we need to make, you know, maybe in game to, to what they're throwing at us. And we just got to be smart. We, you know, we, we've really relished on playing on the road and, and, and kind of maybe playing a little bit of an underdog role on the road in some of these, these buildings that we go to against our opponents. And, uh, but we're going to need to be our best. We're going to have to manage the game. We're going to have to probably weather a little bit of a storm early on um, and, and try to establish our game. But we're excited for that. And they're, they're a very good team. And, uh, you know, I like to think that we can put it away, but this, this could be a long series still. We're chatting with Mitch Love, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. They're up 2-0 in their best-of-five second-round series with the Abbotsford Canucks game. Three with a chance to wrap it up Wednesday in the Lower Mainland. It's uh, Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, this hour of Flames Talk. Wes? Mitch, I'm just curious. Can you, and you've had a couple of them in the, the past week, obviously, can you describe what it's like to be behind the bench in a playoff overtime game? Oh, it's nerve. It's nervous times, man. Like I, you know, um, it it seems like when the puck kind of crosses the blue line on both sides as a coach, you're kind of like, okay, hey, here, here's maybe an opportunity for us to end it, or they get into your zone, and you know, you're one breakdown, one one missed assignment away, one block shot miss away, like a crazy bounce. Um, so it's not a not a real uh, easy time to be coaching, but. You know, at the same time, man, this is, you know, I tell the guys, like, just stay in the moment. Enjoy this. This is awesome. The crowd was great on Saturday night. They were into it. Uh, our guys really feed off of that. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy that we were, uh, you know, on the winning end of those, those two games and, and put ourselves in a position to try to close out a series. I know we chatted uh, after game one, and the story of the night was Jacob Pelche scores the overtime winner, and, and then two nights later he assists on Matthew Phillips' overtime winner. And I remember you stressing after game one, this is a guy who hasn't played a lot of hockey of late. He was obviously an extra for the Flames down the stretch. How have you seen in two playoff games Jacob start to sort of find his stride again? Well, I thought he was involved a lot more on on Friday night than than Game One, and you know, again, when when he's at his best, he's moving his feet, he's attacking the net, he's finding holes, he's you know a give and go type player. You know, he checks the game through his work ethic and his brain. Um, you know, he looked a lot more like the Jacob Pelche, you know, that we've all come to see over a course of two years here in this organization. And you know, I think he's still got another gear, and I I think Jacob's going to get there. Um, but he, he was much more involved. He was in scrums. He, you know, he was sticking up for teammates and, and around and, and involved in making plays. And that's his job here. And, uh, you know, so that was a real good sign for him and for us as a hockey team. 
Mitch, I also wanted to ask you about a couple of other uh, kind of individual-like questions, and, and one of them uh, about a newer member of your team. And you know, Dryden Hunt was very quietly productive for you down the stretch, and, and pretty much as soon as he entered your lineup after that arduous travel uh, to Colorado to meet you. But you know he's been very productive for you. Here he is with a couple of goals in two games so far in the playoffs. I mean, now that you've had him, now that here he is, a vet playing playoff games for you, tell us about the uh, – uh, the Dryden Hunt experience so far? Well, he's really settled in here. I think, you know, obviously when the, you know, the trade deadline goes by, there's a lot of, you know, mixed reactions. I mean, he, he's, you know, if you talk to the kid, he's, he's a busy hockey season for him. He played for a few different organizations. So there was a lot of movement and that's not easy. You, you kind of think you're getting settled into one spot and then uh, here you go again. I'm, I'm moving on to the next organization and, you know, now that the trade deadline came and passed for him, I, you know, he's back home where he trains in the offseason. He's got his fiance and, and in-laws that live here. This is home for him. You know, he's back in his house now that Uyghur's gone to the World Championships and out, <laughs> out of Dodge here in, in Calgary. And, um, you know, I think he's just settled in, and, and he's very invested in our team. And he brings a lot of character. Um, this guy puts a lot of time into his game. It, it starts in his practices, uh, very similar to Matthew Phillips in a sense that, you know, you almost have to kick him off the ice at times because he's working on his game. And, um, you know, he scored some big goals for us here down the stretch. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a player that gets involved physically and, and goes to the hard areas. And, um, you know, that's what you need this time of year. And he, he's been real good for us. And we need him to continue that here headed on the road. And uh, final individuals I wanted to ask you about but that line uh, and I know that things got juggled up in game one because you lost Matty Phillips so early on um, but you know, a good chunk of game two we saw and, and even in game one we saw uh, Brett Sutter, Clark Bishop and Kevin Rooney play together they've been productive they seem like they've been tone setters for you when you've needed them to be I can't imagine knowing the amount of games all three of those guys have under their belts and in pro hockey that would be a surprise to you but what have you thought of of that trio when they've been together well, they've been good for us for probably two or three months, really. I mean, um, you know, Clark Clark played a lot of center for us the first four or five months of the season. And then, you know, we wanted to try a few things and, and kind of moved him around. He's a Swiss Army knife for us, really. He can, you know, he can be any wing and, and, and play the center position. So uh, that's a credit to him to, to shuffle things around. And then, you know, obviously Brett's, or captain, he's a guy that's been around the block uh, for a few years now and understands the importance of that role, and especially this time of year. And and then you, you look at their centerman and Kevin Rooney. I mean, this is a guy who was playing in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference NHL Finals last year, the New York Rangers. So I think this guy knows a thing or two about this time of year and how important it is and, and his leadership that he provides uh, for our younger players. But that line is... And they're hard to play against. That's their job. Uh, they're key to our penalty kill. They they get tough matchups and, and really relish on that. And and we need them to continue to do that uh, here in this series, uh, especially against that group of forwards up front there on, on Abbotsford. 
couple more with Mitch Love, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, joins us Mondays here on Flames Talk. And, and Mitch, uh, you know, a, a day of uh, another big day organizationally for the Calgary Flames with uh, the team and head coach Daryl Sutter parting ways. And you uh, were the American League coach and Daryl was the NHL coach in both your full seasons here with the organization. I'm just curious, Mitch, what what your relationship was with Daryl, what you learned from Daryl, and, and even just getting the opportunity to see him every once in a while how how maybe he made you better as a pro head coach well i got i got a ton of respect for daryl obviously i mean this this guy's a a, a hall of fame coach in, in my opinion and, and i'm sure a lot of others um obviously a tough day um you know i, I learned a lot from daryl over the last couple of years uh you know i've had different setters i've coached or got to know over the years and but never really until I came to this organization have I got an opportunity to kind of directly work with Daryl and, and, you know, pick his brain on coaching and players and, and the banter that goes on in a coach's room through training camps and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, I, I leaned on him for quite a bit, you know, in terms of just different little things. And, and, uh, obviously I have an opportunity to coach his son here and with the Wranglers and, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's a tough day. It's a, this is the, the tough part of the business um you know it is part of the business and and you know we're just trying to focus in on our group here right now and and, and the wrangler season and uh you know we wish daryl nothing but the best him and his family of course well and and i think i know the answer to this question but just knowing our text line and and uh what what we've seen online i think i'd be remiss not to ask a lot of people buzzing about how two-time ahl coach of the year mitch love should be a, a strong candidate for the vacant coaching job with the flames mitch and i know that you're focused on game three and i know how you work but i'll ask it anyway how how do you respond to that and and thoughts that you know you should uh, you should really be heavily considered for that next step up well, I stay off Twitter, and then I uh, I also just focus on us, Pat. I mean, that's that's where our focus is as a team here. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, an enjoyment to come to the rink right now, playing playoff hockey when it's 26 degrees outside, and that's where my focus is at is, is the group here. And and uh, you know, of course, would I like to coach in the National Hockey League one day? Yeah, of course. But right now, it's it's with the Wranglers and. Uh, you know, I got a, a good group here, and we we got to go up to Abbotsford and try to find find one more win and, and reset ourselves here. So that's where uh, things are at today. And uh, that uh, that's kind of what I expected, and and uh, exactly how I, I thought you would answer that, and respectfully. And I say that in the most respectful way. I, I don't think Wes was all that I, shocked to hear that either. I'd love to tell you you're missing a lot on Twitter, Mitch, but you're probably making the right decision. <laughs> yeah, no, I. I uh... I can imagine, guys, but I, you know, I'm not going to go down that uh, that path. I know you guys are doing your job, and, and uh, my focus is here. So <laughs> I, I got gotcha. you, uh, Mitch. Congrats on the first two wins. Good luck wrapping it up in Abbotsford this week. Hey, thank you so much. As always, we'll chat again next week. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. It's Mitch Love, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op.